In today's show, we're talking NBA schedule. It's been released. We're going to look at it for the 23-24 NBA season. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So we're going to talk NBA schedule. We'll talk about it. We'll get in there. In, uh, you know what? Should we just get in there right now? Yeah, we probably should. So, warning. Actually, yeah, yeah, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) That was a a fake out because now I realize I am just going to quickly talk about the FBI LOFB World Cup. We've given out the first 144 invites. So check your email. If you got a reply back saying, hey, congratulations, you made it in, you made it in. You will get an actual league invite in the coming weeks when the league is fully set up and ready to go but you are in. This week, we have a separate entry form. It will be linked in the show notes below. It'll be linked in the description on the video. It will have a different set of questions and it will get you your spot into this league if you are in the top 144 of this one. We have 48 divisions, 12 team leagues. It is for the world's best fantasy players. It is standard settings, nine cat league, 10 man starters, four guys on the bench, injured reserve, Three flex. You can see the positions there on the screen. There's slow drafts, which will begin at the start of October. Big prize for first overall. You redraft once you get through your division, and then you get through to a larger pool, and you get another redraft as well. So you get a chance to have a quick little redraft in the middle of the season with things that have changed, so you can adjust as you go on. And this is to determine that it's a World Cup. It's a big championship across all of fantasy basketball. FBI has been running this competition for a few years. I am on board co-promoting, co-sponsoring this event this season. So we've upped the size of it now as well. It's the biggest it's ever been. And if you want to be a part of it, entry form below. Go, go fill it out, go get going. And we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later on, but get your answers in. What that brings us to though, is now talking about the NBA schedule. And with the NBA schedule, there are definitely times that it gets overrated in terms of um, the impact on fantasy basketball. And I really do have a couple of main things that I look at here with the schedule. The schedule, in terms of the value of, of players and fantasy playoff weeks, number one, understand when your fantasy playoffs are. That's the first thing that I want you guys to do is understand when your um, yeah, when your fantasy playoffs are. Like that's that's just what you've got to do. And then you can figure out stuff from there. But when you're going in a nitty-gritty nitty-gritty picking at games played, the way that that has a gigantic impact is A, that everyone is healthy, and B, that your projections for those players are absolutely spot on. And they're not. I'll tell you that now. They're not. Mine aren't. Yours aren't. If you're relying upon mine, mine aren't. I do my best to do as best as I can. But so much changes in, I'd say, 20 weeks until the playoffs start from the start of the regular season. It's like 28 weeks away. So 
yeah, look, if we knew that everyone would produce what their averages are every single game at that time of the year, then schedule would mean a hell of a lot more. But week-to-week variance and stats is huge. Games played is huge. Trades happen. So much goes on that if you are determining everything you do in a fantasy league at this point of the season based on a fantasy playoff schedule, you are just not going to be successful. Have it in the back of your head? Sure. But so many different things happen through the season that this becomes 10th, 11th priority as you're going through things. It's not as important as what you might think it is. What a great premise that is for me to tell you about. Wow, look at this. We're talking about the NBA schedule for fantasy basketball, but it is not as important as you might think it is. Now, let's get to one of the major questions, and this will be asked, I'm sure, many, many times for me. There is something new in the NBA schedule this year, and when you have a look at week seven on your NBA schedule, you'll see that it's incomplete because there is the NBA Cup that is happening this season. The in-season tournament is happening. So we don't know the schedule in week seven because the teams that qualify through to the knockout stage of the NBA Cup will have NBA Cup games on. The other teams will all play two games that week, part of their regular season schedule. So the schedule is going to be a little bit different. Another reason why you just can't pay a huge amount of attention to what's going on in terms of pre-planning this stuff, which is fine. We'll find that stuff out once that knockout stage comes, but it doesn't matter for fantasy that amount. But you will notice in week seven of a schedule that some schedule um, grids that are out there will show only 80 games played. Some will have 82 like our one at Basketball Monster. You can find the link to our schedule grid in the uh, description below on YouTube as well. We've put dummy games in into that week just to show that, you know, that that every team is playing four games that week. We just don't know who it's going to be against. We've got no idea who they're going to be against. And that also then brings me to the question about the in-season tournament. Josh, what do we do for fantasy? Nothing. Nothing at all. It has no impact on what you do. I'll tell you why. Because every NBA in-season tournament game Every NBA, I think calling it, I think the better terminology is going to be NBA Cup. That's what it's called because otherwise you get the confusion of the play-in tournament, which is the one to get in the playoffs at the end of the season, versus the in-season tournament. Both of those with in and tournament, it's not great, right? Let's just call this the NBA Cup. The NBA Cup. These are all just regular season games. Every single one of the NBA Cup games is a regular season game except the championship game. That championship game is an 83rd game for those two teams. It does not count towards regular season statistics. It does not count towards regular season standings. So unless something completely goes wild in on fantasy sites, it's not going to count towards fantasy stats. And even if it did, it is one extra game in December, and you're not changing a draft decision based on who you think might try harder to get into the NBA Cup Final. You just pay no attention to this. Every single game, except for one, every single game of the NBA Cup is a regular season game. I have seen people come at me saying, well, Josh, the teams are going to be trying harder now to win the NBA Cup, so maybe we should look at those teams who try harder because then they won't randomly rest players. Not true, I don't think. I don't think that's true at all. I don't think, A, teams are going to try harder to win. And I also think this um, idea of resting is 100% overblown. I would love to see how many players have just sat out with no actual injury at all during the season. Most of the time, and you're all going to throw Kawhi at me, yeah, the dude was coming off an ACL injury. That is standard medical procedure to rest on a back-to-back coming off an ACL injury. Do teams play more cautious with players that are injured? Absolutely 100%. 
But the only guy I can think of, and maybe I'm wrong on this, and maybe I'm wrong. The only guy I can think of last season who routinely sat out back-to-back games without a pre-existing injury was Al Horford with his back-to-back spasms. He sat out every back-to-back game with a fake back-to-back spasm injury. He's 37 years old. Everyone else was either was coming off an injury in that time. There might have been some other random injuries. And of course, when we get into March and April and the fake injuries pile up, we know all this. But this NBA Cup is not going to make teams change their medical um, approach to players' health. It's just not going to do that. I've also seen the other side of the coin. People say, well, they're just going to sit all these um, NBA Cup games because they don't mean anything. So I've got to be careful drafting guys that might push further in the NBA Cup because they're going to sit them because they don't mean anything. Also not true because they mean exactly the same as what a December 1st game would mean in last season or the year before that or the year before that. It is a regular season game. So even if they don't care about winning the NBA Cup, this, the value of that game is still there as a regular season game. And you might say the regular season is devalued or whatever you want to say. Also, have a look at all the champions over the past 20 years and have a look at what their regular season records are. They're all really good. They're really good records. You have to be really good in the regular season to win a championship. That's a basic, a basic thing that's been in the NBA. So, all this is to say, and I must stress this point, do not pay any attention whatsoever to the NBA Cup in your fantasy drafts. Today's episode is brought to you by Ibotta. You pick up burgers or hot dogs for a summer barbecue, you're already doing it. So why don't you get your cash back when you do it? And you do that with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items, produce, personal care, pantry goods. So you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You either link your loyalty account or you upload your receipt after your shop and they give you cash back. It is that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use that cash back to get a flight or a dinner or a show or whatever it is you want to use. You get cash back on hundreds of online brands and they get it back as real cash either to your bank account, to PayPal, or in the form of gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED. When you register, go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or the App Store and use the code LOCKED. And on this copy, it says it's all lowercase. I don't know if that matters, but do it. LOCKED in all lowercase. All right, that is all we're talking about the NBA in-season tournament. Let's look at back-to-backs throughout the season because that is important, especially with players coming off injury. And there aren't a huge amount of players heading into this season with injuries. Yes, Kawhi Leonard has a torn meniscus heading into the season. Brandon Clark won't start the season on time. But maybe Kustas Porzingis with his plantar fasciitis maybe misses a couple of back-to-backs early on. But it's not like in previous, some other previous seasons where we had, and maybe this will happen, change, but where we had a lot of guys coming in off torn ACLs like Murray and Kawhi last season, off broken foots like Jaron Jackson, off torn labrums like Siakam and Okongwu a couple of years ago, off a wrist surgery like Chris Middleton. We don't have as many of those situations that are heading into this season. So most of the, most of the time, I would say 90% of the time that players, 95% of the time that players sit out back-to-backs, it's because of an injury they have sustained. Okay? Let's have a look how it looks. I think we're a little bit higher on back-to-backs this season than what we have been in the past. I think last year we went 12, range between 12 to 14. This year we range between 13 to 15. It's not a huge difference. It is only a two difference back-to-back, two back-to-back difference between the highest team and the lowest team. So it's not a gigantic issue. But the problem that I see here is that the teams that play the most 
The teams that have the nine back-to-back games are the teams that we probably worry about the most in terms of guys sitting due to injury or due to being old. The Clippers with Kawhi coming back from a torn meniscus, I would have to think he sits some of these games. The Lakers with LeBron and his foot issue with Anthony Davis with his foot issue. Now, I I expect that LeBron and Davis play back-to-backs, but the reason I bring them up is that if they get hurt, they won't. The Warriors with Steph. Draymond's had his share of injury issues. Klay Thompson played back-to-backs last season. Steph plays back-to-backs, but he also is 35 years of age now, and he's going to get hurt at some point, so he will miss some back-to-backs. And that's the problem when you look at the Lakers run by two older guys. The Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi as their two main guys as older players. And the Warriors with Clay, Steph, and Draymond as older players and their best guys, when they play the most back-to-backs, the risk of those guys getting hurt is higher, and that means the risk of them sitting out is higher. So that's not great news. I'm not that worried about the Kings having 15 back-to-backs, or the Cavs, or the Hornets, or the Magic, or the Hawks, or the Pistons. That's fine. The risk always runs that if someone gets hurt, if DeJounte Murray gets hurt, if Lamelo Ball gets hurt, if Evan Mobley gets hurt, and then they come back, and there's a stretch of back-to-backs, then they will sit those games as they recover from whatever injury it is, assuming it was serious. So that's where they sit. The teams with the fewest back-to-backs, Nuggets, Pelicans, Mavericks, Jazz, Wolves, Spurs, great news for Wembenyama, Wizards, Heat, Knicks, and Pacers, 13 back-to-backs. So 10 teams play 13 back-to-backs, 11 teams play 14, 9 teams play 15. Relatively even spread. Again, the only real area that I have of concern there is the Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors all playing the most back-to-backs in the league and having some of the older players and older stars on their team, Kawhi, George, Davis, LeBron, Curry, Draymond, Clay. That, that gives me a little bit of worry, not necessarily about drafting them, but it does put a, a, an ounce more concern onto those players just with that fact. With those two extra games, it doesn't matter massively, but it is two extra games. I'm going to introduce the quality of uh, the concept of quality games to you. I'm going to actually, let's rephrase. I'm going to introduce the concept of quality games to some of you. Some of you know what it is. Some of you would have heard me talking about quality games for years and actually have no idea what it is that I'm talking about. I know this because people still ask me. So let's go through what a definition is. What is a quality game? When I talk about it on all my weekly previews throughout the season, I've done this definition a million times, but let's do it again. A quality game to me is a day on the NBA schedule that is not overloaded. So when you play a game on a non-overloaded day, why is this important? This is important because on an overloaded day, a 12-game Wednesday, an 11-game Friday, you might have to make a decision on your team between 12 guys into 10 starting spots because more NBA teams are playing. Therefore, your maximum games played for that week gets changed. Whereas if some of those guys played on Thursday or on Tuesday or on a low-volume Sunday, you'd play them no doubt. You wouldn't have to make that decision. I use a cutoff of if an NBA game day has nine games or fewer, I consider that a quality game, a quality game day. Because if there are nine games on, the max NBA games in a day is 15. If there are nine games on, as a general rule, you will be able to start every one of your players if you are using a standard 10 starters, three bench split, or 10 starters, four bench split. If you run something different, a five starter, five bench, a 10 starter, eight bench, or whatever, then the calculation does change somewhat. And I am pushing for larger benches in fantasy basketball, a 10 starter, eight bench alignment. 
which then would mean that your quality game threshold does change a little bit. It probably comes down from nine to seven in that situation. So ideally, when you're drafting, the quality game number is usually a more important factor for the lower end draft guys. Because if you draft Halliburton, Doncic, Jokic, DeRozan, whoever it is, any top 50 player, you are going to start, any top 70 player, you are going to start them every day that they play. If there are 13 games on, they are going to start for you. It is the back end guys where you have to make that decision. Your ninth best player, 10th best, 11th best, 12th best, 13th best, whoever it is. Those are the guys where it becomes more important. Now, it is still important for the top guys because if the top guys play on the lower volume days, well, that means they move off the higher volume days, meaning you have fewer players playing on the high volume days, meaning you have to make fewer of those start-sit decisions. But in terms of actually getting games played out of your lower-end guys, it is better as a general rule to look at lower-end players who play on the lower volume days. Does this influence your draft? Absolutely not. Because most of the time you're looking at it and when you are in season, it's the guys that you're streaming in off the waiver wire when you're really focusing on quality games. It's more of a week-to-week thing. But if you are absolutely torn between two players, using quality games, even if it's at the top of the draft, using quality games is a good way to break a tie and you can do the same for playoff schedule. The average amount of quality games for a team this season is 46. That's using my nine or fewer game played. There are quite a number of teams over that and quite a number under. That's the point of an average. I actually looked at what the median number was as well. It was 46. So we're relatively evenly distributed. The Suns have the most, 55. The Bucks, 54. Celtics, 53. Lakers, 51. And Grizzlies, 50. You'll notice they are all expected to be very good teams. And that means they're playing on the national TV nights, the Tuesday, the Thursday. So when you're drafting a Suns guy, Beal, Booker, Durant, Ayton, Middleton, Giannis, Drew for the Bucks, you know all the good players. It means they're not going to be as prevalent on your Wednesdays or Fridays. I mean, that opens up a roster spot for you on those days. If you look at the teams with fewer quality games, the Rockets play only 39. It's a 16-game difference between the Rockets and the Suns. That is, that is a, a large discrepancy. So if you're choosing between Fred Van Vliet or Devin Booker in the second round, well, Devin Booker is going to play 16 extra games on the lower volume days. I think that is, a, that is a meaningful difference. That is meaningful. The Hornets play 40. The Clippers, 40. Another shit point for the Clippers there. High back-to-backs, low-quality games. 43 for the Bulls and 43 for the Jazz. So when you're looking at Walker Kessler, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Larry Markin and Kawhi, Paul George, LaMelo Ball, it's not to dissuade you from drafting them, but there is a very big difference between drafting a Devin Booker, a DeAndre Ayton, a, uh, I was going to say Chris Paul, but no, Kevin Durant versus LaMelo Ball or Kawhi because it just frees up some more space for you on the Wednesday and Friday days. Let's talk fantasy playoffs. Now, before I do that, quickly, when you go into create a league on Yahoo, I think that there is something fishy going on. Let me explain why. Yahoo, as a general rule, has always had their default playoffs end one week before the season ends. That is their general rule. This year, when you go in, their default is actually March the 31st. That is their default fantasy playoff end, March 31st, which is two weeks before the regular season ends. 
But, but, there is something wrong with the way they are labeling their weeks. Because that week, March 31st, if we use Yahoo's naming, naming, try again, naming nomenclature, because when we get to the all-star break, it's two weeks squished into one, Yahoo combines that into one week number, which is week 17. Yeah, week 17. They use that period from the 12th through to the 25th of February as week 17. So in doing that, that would mean that that week ending on March the 31st should be week 22, except they are labeling it currently as week 23. I think that week seven, which is the finals week of the NBA Cup, has screwed up their scheduling and that has pushed all their dates back. So be really, really cautious about what your settings are. I fear that they look at it as a default end week 23, which as a general rule has always been the second last week of the season, which this season would be on April 7th. But they're currently listing it week 23, March 31st, and those two things don't actually go together. Be aware of that. When If you decide you're setting your league up now, go back and check up on this in a couple of weeks' time and make sure you are choosing the right number because that does not make sense. That is not correct. There is something wrong with it. I don't know which. I don't know what it is. Are they meaning to end default March 31st or are they meaning to end default week 23? Because they are not the same thing. Anyway, I suggest you end March 24th. That's when I would end the, the fantasy playoffs. I would start them on March the 4th. I would end them on March the 24th. Now, there are many different ways that you can run fantasy playoffs. Four teams, two weeks each, eight teams, two games each, long playoffs. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to go through just a standard three-week playoff run. And you know what I'm not going to do? Include the final week of the season. Much like Google doesn't put up how to make bomb instructions on their homepage because I'm not out here to deliberately sabotage your fantasy basketball playing life. If you decide you want to play through to the final week of the season, well, let me tell you right now, schedule does not mean a single thing. Because you can see who's got a great schedule in that final week of the season, and it does not matter because those players will not be playing. Everything will be all over the place, and you'll be streaming in the equivalent of Skylar Mays to get you numbers. So I'm not going to go through leagues that finish in week 24. So if you want week numbers, and again, it always gets confusing with week numbers. That's why I like to use dates, but I will use week numbers. We are looking at ending in week 22. In week 22. No, sorry, week 21. My bad, I screwed it up. Week 21, which is March the 24th. So how does the schedule look that week? We have one team that plays 12 games. The Portland Trailblazers play 12 games during that time frame. That's the best schedule you can have, four, four, and four. Great. Will the Blazers be trying at that point? Well, the idea of ending it on March 24th with three weeks to go in the regular season is in general those teams will still be fielding the majority of their players for the vast majority of their games. And once you hit that week 22 is when shit starts to go right. Now, last season, I think you missed like one or two games of Damian Lillard and maybe one or two of Halliburton if you started at this point. Team, those teams started like half a week early. But usually, it's around that point, that week 22 point. There are four teams that only play nine games, however, across that time frame. The Mavericks the Lakers, the Hornets, and the Knicks all play only nine games. The Mavericks go three, four, and two, two games in finals week. The Lakers go four, two, and three, two games in semifinal week. The Hornets 
They also have two games in finals week, 3-4 and 2. And then there's the Knicks, who I believe are a 3-3-3. Now, that's not great to have Doncic and LaMelo playing only two games in finals week. But you know what you got to do for that to matter? you got to get there. And I know that's frustrating if you do have Doncic or you have Kyrie, two possible first-round players, or you have LaMelo. That is frustrating. But again, I don't think you should be making huge draft decisions based on that. If you are in a situation where players are very equal in your mind, maybe you use that as a deciding factor. No problem. Everyone else that plays either 11 or 10 games, if you are watching on YouTube, I've listed all the teams that play 11 games in that playoff period and 10 games in that playoff period. You can go and check that out, and it's very easy to see on our playoff grid. Let's look at some other playoff oddities through that time period. There is only one five-game week throughout the season, and that occurs in week one of these playoffs with the Brooklyn Nets, a five-game week. Will the Brooklyn Nets sit players during that time? Well, we have no idea what their squad's even going to look like at that point, but there is risks with some of their guys, but I would say Bridges and Claxton are probably pretty safe. Cam Johnson may be a worry, and Dinwiddie may be a worry if he's even on the team. Week two, we've got two teams with two-game weeks, the Lakers with two and the Wolves with two. And week three, finals week, we've got the Hornets and the Mavericks with two. The other interesting thing for this playoffs, my recommended playoff setting, is that every single game across the three weeks is a, is a quality game. There is no NBA day across those three, ga- three weeks which has more than nine games on. That, that is an oddity. That is an oddity. And it's not the same for every other one. In terms of back-to-backs that week, well, there are some teams that don't have a single back-to-back across those three weeks. There are some teams that have three. The Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Knicks do not have a single back-to-back that week. Now, the Lakers and the Nuggets, sorry, yeah, the Lakers and the Nuggets, they've only got nine games. So not having a back-to-back is not a surprise. Or even the Knicks, sorry. They've only got the nine. Oh, the nine. My bad. The Nuggets have 10 games. They're in a good spot. But the Lakers and the Knicks have nine games, so no back-to-back. You'll see that we go to the teams that have three back-to-backs over that time. Portland, remember, had the most games, 12 of them. But they've got three back-to-backs. Is there a risk there? Absolutely. The Kings, the Nets with that five-game week, we've got three back-to-backs across the three weeks. The Clippers, three back-to-backs, not great. Um, The Celtics, three back-to-backs. And then the Timberwolves also have three back-to-backs. And the reason that you'll see on this screen that I've got the Hornets and the Timberwolves highlighted in red is because the fewest amount of games played for that week is nine. But the Hornets have two back-to-backs, meaning that theoretically, if someone sits out back-to-backs, they can get down to seven. And the Wolves play 10 games, but they have three back-to-backs. So theoretically, again, they could be down to seven. It might not happen, but that is a definite risk when you could really push yourself down to be by far the worst team in games played for a three-week period. That is that is a, an absolute thing to, to pay attention to. Let's look at what, at the moment, is currently listed as the Yahoo default playoffs, March 11th through to March 31st, week 20, 21, 22, or according to their website, 21, 22, 23, which I don't think is right, but we'll see. They only have a split of nine to 11 games over that time period, so no 12-game week in that time frame. A majority of teams play 11, most play 10, well, not most, uh, equal amount play 10, and there are five teams that play nine games. The Grizzlies, the Lakers, the Magic, the Wolves and the Bucks all play nine games over those three weeks. So that is not ideal, clearly. But it's not a big spread. It's two games over three weeks. And does that change your drafting decision? Two games over three weeks. It shouldn't change it that much. Yes, it's not ideal when someone's got 4-4-3 and your guys have got 3-3-3. Sounds like I'm giving out soccer formations. 
All right, it's, it's not fantastic, but it's also not a gigantic difference. And as you'll see, I'm doing a lot of work at the moment on week-to-week variability with stats. As you will see, there are players, and this is, again, we have run the assumption that what a player averages is what a player is going to average again, and what a player averages is what they do every single game, when there is so much game-to-game and week-to-week variability, that a player who might be the third-ranked player overall on a per-game basis the example I'm using here is Shea Gildas-Alexander, for example. I had a look at this. Shea played a game in every single week last season. He had some time off, but he did play a game in every week. But out of the 24 weeks of action, he was a top 10 player in seven weeks of 24 based on totals. And I know that you'll tell me that's because of schedule. It is. It is because of schedule. That's right. Schedule does vary, but production also varies. And... You're just never going to be in a situation where a player just gets his average every single game. And we have so much faith in averages that this is what a player is going to do when we are dealing with three-game samples, four-game samples. So even a four-game week might make a top-five player be the 30th best guy that week. It just might happen. Stuff happens. So sweating these small little things where I think... These sort of decisions and back-to-backs and quality games, it's all more about micromanaging during the season versus trying to plan it out 20 weeks in advance. The oddities for this playoff schedule, the Lakers have two games in week one, as do the Wolves. The Hornets have two games in week two, as do the Mavericks. And week three, there are no two-game weeks and there are no five-game weeks. But what is interesting is week three, championship week, has three high-volume days. There are no high-volume days in week one. There are no high-volume days in week two. But week three, championship week, has three of those days where 10 games or more are being played, meaning you are going to be in more of a roster squeeze in that week than you were in any other week. So when you're looking at an 11-game schedule or a 10-game schedule, be aware that some of the fringe guys that you look at might be sitting on your roster three games in that final week. Your 12th best player might play one game for the week in championship week. That becomes important when you get down to that time period. Other oddities in terms of back-to-backs, it's varying between zero and three. The Celtics and the Kings have three back-to-backs across this playoff schedule. The Nuggets and the Knicks and the Rockets have no back-to-backs. That is a four-week run where the Nuggets and the Knicks have zero back-to-backs. That is important to note. It's also uh, a pretty strong run there for the Celtics, getting a lot of back-to-backs cracking over that four-week period. If we look at what I think will end up being Yahoo's default playoff schedule, March 18th to April 7th, I don't know that, but I'm basing it on years and years and years of what they do, plus the incorrect labeling on their website. This is week 21 through to week 23. That's March 18th to April 7th. You've got a range between nine games played and 12 games. The Sixers, the Cavs, and the Kings play 12 games. The Mavericks are the only team to play nine games during that period. So the Sixers, the Cavs, and the Kings, 4-4-4. Four, four, four. All right, great, yeah? The Dallas Mavericks go... Where am I looking? The Dallas Mavericks go 2-4-3 four, and three for nine games. The Hornets go 2-4-4. Four, and four. Nearly every team, and you can tell by how small that font is, nearly every team plays 11 games during that period, so relatively even. I'm not going to go into who every team is playing there. In terms of oddities for the week, the Hornets play two games in week one, the Mavericks play two games in week one, and there are no two-game weeks in week two, and there are no two-game weeks in week three. But the quality games are absolutely diminished. 
back in my recommended playoffs, there was no day that where there was over nine games played. In this setting, the quality games for teams range between four or nine. The maximum amount of game quality games a team plays is nine during that period. That's really, really low. And four quality games is abysmally low. It is such a small amount. That means a team... Let me have a look at this team who is playing the four quality games. I should have actually mentioned who that was. Um, the Hornets play four quality games out of their 10. So if you have a fringe guy on the Hornets, maybe it's Mark Williams. Maybe they've re-signed PJ Washington. Maybe it's Gordon Hayward. Maybe it's Brandon Miller who struggled as a rookie. You might use him four times over three weeks. That's And honestly, the first week is all full of quality games. So he plays those two in that first week. And then he's got four games out of eight the next two. The Spurs also only have four quality games over that period. And the Mavericks have four quality games over that period as well. The last few weeks of the NBA season are jam-packed with high-volume days. Same as last year. You know, three games, 12 games, four games, 12 games. It's up and down, up and down, leaving your streaming difficult and a lot of your players sitting on your bench twiddling their thumbs. Other oddities in this week in terms of back-to-backs, again, we vary between zero and three. The Nuggets, again, it's a five-week run with no back-to-backs for Denver. They're the only team without a back-to-back. But there are a lot of teams with back-to-backs. The Cavs have three, Kings have three, Lakers have three, Pistons have three, and Hawks have three. You run into some issues there with LeBron and Davis, maybe, depending on injuries. And you can see most are concentrated with getting only one back-to-back across that three-week period, though. What are some other outliers that we need to look at during the week? Well, week one of the season, obviously a little bit of a shorter week, so I'm not going to talk about those guys as having two game weeks. But there is a one-game week during the season. The Nets and the Cavs are traveling over to Paris, I think it is, for a game. Week 12, the Nets and the Cavs play one game. You'll also notice there is only one team that has a five-game week, and that is the Nets in week 19, first game of my recommended playoffs, first week of my recommended playoffs. And there are so many situations where teams have two-game weeks. This is not including week one. This is not including the current schedule in week seven, where the NBA Cup is yet to fill out the schedule. And this is not including the games through the All-Star break, where we've got that sort of two games, uh, two weeks pressed into eight, eight days of playing time you will see that the Clippers have two game weeks four times. That is why they have so many back-to-backs. Terrible schedule. The most back-to-backs, the most two game weeks. In week two, week four, week 10, and week 13, the Clippers have a two game week. That is going to make it even harder to draft Kawhi and Paul George. As much as I like getting value on those guys, four two game weeks. What it also means is that means they play more four game weeks but that means more back-to-backs. And that means more risk of these guys having an issue with sitting games. You will see a bunch of teams that play two two two-game weeks, but nobody plays three two-game weeks. It is only the Clippers who have four. And if you haven't seen this, you can check this out over on Basketball Monster, our schedule grid. Go to the YouTube video and pause it, and you can have a look at the list of who plays those two-game weeks uh, over there on the screen. Across the All-Star break, as I said, there's eight days worth of games in a two-week period. Teams play between three and five games. The Heat, the worst. Three games in a two-week period. A one-game week and a two-game week. Most teams play five games and everyone else plays four. The Hornets, Clippers, Suns, Lakers, Pelicans, Nuggets, Magic, Warriors, 
Wolves, Spurs, Rockets, Bucks, Wizards, Cavs, and Sixers have five games across that eight-day period, and everyone else has four games. The one I'll highlight there is that Miami has a three-game period across the All-Star break. There are also a couple of teams who go 2-2-2, two, 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 two games before the All-Star break, two games, um, oh, sorry, two, ga- two games in week 16 before the All-Star break starts, two games leading up to the All-Star break, and two games after the All-Star break. That's a rough stretch of games. But when you compare it to everyone else, it's always, it's always about comparing it to everybody else. Now, the Blazers have four games across the All-Star break, and that's only one fewer than everyone else. The problem is that the week leading into that in week 16, they also have two, so it makes their schedule look a lot worse. And that will do it for me today. Hey, if you are watching this on YouTube, I tried a new lighting setup. What do you think? Does it look any different? Can you notice anything? Does it look better, worse? Let me know. And let me know what you think about the NBA schedule. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app and on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.